Welcome to the Witness and Persecution Podcast with Nick and Ruth Ripkin, where we equip you with biblical principles and practices for believers in persecution to help you go across the street and go across the oceans with the love of Jesus. My name is Anthony Ball. I'm your host today. And today we have Ruth with us joining us, and she's going to be sharing a little bit about uh, what was her conception of missions? What did it look like from the very beginning? And as she moved on to the first few years on the mission field, how does she recognize some of those misconceptions? What does she want to learn? And how do we apply scripture to our understanding of what missions looks like? Ruth, great to have you today. Just you today, but uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. And it's a joy to be here. Uh, Nick entrusted me with this time, so I'm excited. (laughs) <laughs> we won't tell them that you're really the expert. And so, <laughs> no, <laughs> if we didn't have each other, I don't think we would have survived 35 years. No, that's true. Absolutely. Well, share with us today. Tell us a little bit about what you um, want to lead us in today and how uh, you want to talk to us and our listeners about the, the misconceptions that you learned on the first few years of being on the field. Well, I think the one thing I have to say is God knew I needed some preparation. I needed to um, take some steps so that I was ready and equipped for what we would face when we finally went to believers in persecution. It was important for me to be uh, an, have an understanding of what God was wanting me to do. Um, as a young girl, I had read biographies of missionaries, and I had seen lots of stories of what their lives were like. And so my my vision of what missions was, was based on a lot of those bi- biographies that I had read, and a lot of the lives of missionaries of people I'd met. And um, I, I, I thought I knew everything. I thought I would get off the plane in Malawi and I would take off and run and Mm. I wouldn't have to stumble around. Um, But God knew I needed some education. I needed some training. I needed some bumps in the road so that I was ready for what we would face after over those 35 years. And so um, Mm. I think as we talk today, we're going to see that that God is preparing us for what we need for the future. And if we forget that he's preparing us, we'll just try to uh, jump over the lessons that he wants to teach us. And uh, and then we will uh, miss those opportunities that he has, um, that we can equip others in the process. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit more about... Um kind of the beginning and what, what, where did you first start to realize, okay, I've got a, I've got a misconception or I'm, I, there's something that just did not make sense when I, I landed in those first yeah. few minutes, hours, days. Tell us uh, how all this starts. Well, I got to Malawi and um, in my mind, we were going to go to Malawi. We were going to spend the rest of our life there. We were going to live there, have our children grow up there, fall in love with the place, and that we would never leave. And um, so it, it went great for the first year. We were learning language, and that was hard work, but I knew that was part of the process. We were choosing where we were going to live, what we were going to do, 
And as we got there, um, after the first year, we began to be very sick. And I know Nick has Mm. shared some of this story in other podcasts. Uh, I think on our first podcast, we shared a little bit about it. Um, But in my mind, we were going to get well. We were not going to have those problems. And I can remember sitting at the kitchen table in Malawi, just crying out to God, God, we're sick. We, mm. My husband is so sick. What are we going to do? And um, the, the fun part was we were seeing churches planted. We were seeing people coming to Christ. Things were going really well, but we were sick. And it seemed like every time we got moving a little bit further and further down the road, we found ourselves sick again. And we were dealing with being Mm. in the hospital. Uh, We had to evacuate to a hospital in the capital city. Uh, We were put on quinine IVs, all four of us, the two boys and Nick and myself. And um, we were in the hospital and... uh, dealing with how do you take care of your children when you're sick? And uh, I don't think we knew how sick we were until we got out of it. And we looked back and we saw how sick we were. And um, Mm. I I should have understood this if I had really read the scriptures. Um, I, I think about the story of Abraham in Genesis 12. And you know that story very well. But it says, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. If I'd read the whole story, I would have seen that it took Abraham a long, long time to get to that place Mm. where God had promised. He went to Egypt. He traveled across the whole area. And he never really got to that promised land that Jesus, that God was talking to him about. But it says right after all of this blessing that, that God gives to Abraham, it says, so Abraham left. And I think that's the whole thing. As we um, were so sick with malaria, we Um, gathered with our leadership. The doctors came in and said, you can't stay here. And Nick's got some great funny stories that I'm sure he will tell you. (laughs) Um, Because once you are sick, you often lose your sense of humor. But I promise you, Nick has never lost his sense of humor. Uh, Those of (laughs) you who know him know he can laugh and he can laugh at himself and he can make the situation just seem better. But as our leadership Mm. gathered and the doctors gathered, they kept saying, you can't stay here. Um, If you stay here, you're going to die. And um, we got phone phone calls from our family and they were praying for us and churches were praying for us. And one of our mentors, the one who had really guided us through language school, said to us something that... um, I didn't really grasp it at the time totally, but looking back now, I see that God used what this man, this hero of ours said to help us over 35 years overseas. And even today, as uh, we're living in America, he said, remember, serving God's not a matter of location. 
It's a matter of obedience. And as I think about it, I didn't understand that that kind of obedience is a process. It's not an obedience that comes overnight. Um, And it's not an obedience that we understand totally until after we look back and we see that's what God meant when he asked me to go to this location. Um, I promise you, I left Malawi kicking and screaming. Um, Nick was a Hmm. lot more able to just say, okay, that was that season of life. Now I'm moving on to the next season. But for me, it was hard because in my mind, I had come to Malawi. I was to stay in Malawi and I was to die in Malawi. And so to pack up and move was very difficult for me. But obedience is something that I continue to learn and I continue to understand it bit by bit. Um, It it served me well. Um, We've moved 38, 37 times. And um, I have to say, being obedient to move um, became a work of art in my life. (laughs) There were times that I said, hmm, I'm not ready to go through all this packing and moving. And it sure is good to help you clean out things because your closets get full. Um, But being obedient is a little bit more than that. When God says go, um, how, what do you do? What are those, what are those ways that you can help yourself understand that being obedient means picking up and moving or staying and putting down more roots. Um, you know, it's not the house that you move into. It's not um, the culture that you're moving into. Uh, we've lived in some cultures that were very, very different from than what I had grown up. And it was It became exciting to learn new cultures, but it's not that. It's not your neighbors. Although you pray for really good neighbors, it's Hmm. not your leadership or your people group or your team or your church members. What it is, is where did God want you? And are you willing to hang out long enough to figure out what God is really wanting you to do. Um, What is God going to do? How is God leading you? So how are we going to figure this out? I think number one that Mm -hmm. I learned is we've got to start praying, but our prayers have to be more listening than talking. I find in my quiet time most mornings, Mm I'm doing most of the talking and I fail to listen. And it's hard to know if I'm being obedient if I haven't heard his voice. And so serving God is not a matter of location. It's a matter of obedience. And the way I figure out whether I'm being obedient is by listening to him. Um, we began to feel something when we were in Malawi and it became even more apparent when we got to South Africa that all of a sudden we were focused totally on where we were located. We, we prayed for the people around us. 
we prayed for those things that um, affected us. Um, in South Africa, we had a crank telephone. And each, each day, if we wanted to make a phone call, we, you've seen it on TV where you wind the, the handle and it rang a little buzzer in that post office. And the lady in the post office would pick up the phone or the microphone and say, where do you want to call? And we'd tell her and she'd say, okay, I'll try to ring that. You would hang up, you'd go about your day's business and somewhere in there, you hope that she would call you back and she had booked your call. Well, that's not the way we talk to God. We don't have to wind it up and wait for him to respond. He's ready to respond. He's ready to answer us anytime we're ready to listen to him. And that's how my obedience was shaped over the years. And moving 38 times, it was definitely a God thing because I would not have done it. I am a person who puts down roots. I want to stay in one location. Mm-hmm. Nick is the adventurous one. So that's why God brought him into my life because otherwise I would have been very content to stay where I was. And so <laughs> obedience is something God does in our lives. He, he, he knows how to stir your heart so you know it's time to really listen. And my feeling is we often become so focused on where we are that we fail to pray for the nations. And when we fail to pray for the nations, we miss what God is trying to say to us about being obedient. Mm -hmm. We miss uh, those opportunities. And so I challenge us as, as people who are part of the kingdom of God we need to focus totally on the globe so that when God says move, as he did to Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis, we are ready to go. Um, we must be praying for the world. And uh, right now, more than ever, there are many opportunities for that kind of obedience. And so hmm. we are often asked, How do you know that God is trying to talk to you? Well, after praying and surrendering your will and your understanding, I think God makes it very clear that this is time to go. And we can move forward then. Often, we don't know where where we're headed. Abraham didn't know where he was headed. But by taking that first step, God allows us to do that. I think that the prayer allows us to be outward focused. And then we have to trust. The second thing, we have to trust that God's not just going to answer my desires. He's going to allow others around me to know that it's this is a, a, an act of obedience. Mm-hmm. When, Nick, when Nick and I were looking at um, going overseas for the very first time, It was something that I had wanted to do um, all my life, pretty much. But where were we to go? And a a dear friend of ours said, well, when you pray, close your eyes. And what people do you see when you pray? And I thought, oh, I don't know if I see people. But I began to think about that. And it seemed that every time I did pray, God brought 
African faces in my prayers. He allowed me to see those Africans that I had met uh, when I went to Africa as a junior in college. And so this person said, that could be God trying to help you narrow down where he wants you to go. And so as Mm -hmm. we got job requests and we began to talk to the mission board about going, it seemed that the job requests that came to the top were mostly in Africa. And so Nick and I began to pray over the, I think it was 150 job requests, and we narrowed it down to about 60. And then we separately began to pray over those 60, and we narrowed it down to about 30. And then came when we began to really seek God's face and favor in these job requests, looking at our skill sets, experiences in our life, things that God had given us opportunities to do. And we picked 12. And we did this separately, and we picked the same 12. We began to pray over those 12. And once again, we separately looked at them, and we narrowed it down to three, the same three. And so as Hmm. we prayed over those three, God allowed us to choose the very one that we thought was right for us. Now, there was a hiccup in this process because when we got to our training, someone else had taken that job assignment and we didn't get that job assignment. But God used that to get us to the right country and location. And then those on the ground who knew where they needed people they challenged us with another job request that was perfect for us. So I didn't know that. Yeah. So I, I think the thing is trust that God's going to use that whole process in your life to get you to the obedient place he wants you to be. And then I think the thing I'll challenge our listeners with Anthony is that we have to believe that God sees the whole picture that you and I can't see everything Mm. and we have to trust that he does know uh, the whole situation and the whole story. And he knows what he wants you to do um, much better than you could ever do it on your own. Um, I think the third thing I would say is make the journey an adventure. Don't make it a horrible you know, I'm, I'm going through the desert and it's horrible and I don't feel good about it. Mm. Our children pick up on that and they do take their emotions, their feelings, their stress level from their parents. And those of us going out as singles, we deal with the very same thing. Those around us pick up on our, our situation and our attitudes And so I want to make every day an adventure. If I'm unhappy, oh, those around me are unhappy. If I feel that God is taking me somewhere where I don't want to go and I'm kicking and screaming as I did when I left Malawi, um, it's going to take me a while Mm. to get over that. And it's going to take me, my children even will pick up on that. 
We found this true for especially those who serve in places in is, is, Islam. Um, mothers who are fearful raise daughters who are fearful. And mothers who are confident in who they are in Christ raise daughters and sons who are confident in who they are in Christ. And so I think this is a real mm. important lesson. We must, um, if we're going to serve Christ, whether in the U.S., as we go to our neighbors or overseas, we want to be confident in who we are in Christ and believe that he has the best for us. Um, so let's make it an adventure. Every time we get on an airplane, Nick and I make it an adventure, especially these days right now where flights are being canceled and luggage is being lost. And we see those big pictures on TV of all that luggage. And we know that our vacations are going to be ruined. Make it an adventure, you know, help your kids get excited about Hmm. what you're dealing with and just sit back and relax. It's going to happen. Um, There are so many airplane stories we could tell, but I'm going to leave those for Nick because he has the best airplane stories. But all (laughs) of us who have lived overseas or traveled overseas, we have airplane stories. Um, But I think the best one that I have is when we went on one of those adventures and we got on the plane and the air and the and this was our very first trip overseas with our boys. And we got to the airport and the air person that checked us in looked at our tickets and saw Lilongwe, Malawi on the ticket. And they looked at us and said, where in the world is that? And we kind of went, if the airline doesn't know where it is, we are in big <laughs> trouble. But we made it an adventure. We got there and no problems. Um, it just took a long time. Now I'm much more relaxed. And back then you dressed up when you got on the airplane and all that. And now we just kind of go in our jeans or relaxed clothes. We don't have to worry about dressing up. But when you get to the airport, if they ask you where the place is on your ticket, you may have a problem. Um, but I think we're better off now than we were then. So, I th- Especially today with GPS and everything. That's right. We're much better off. Um, except it doesn't work a lot of times in places where we go. Um, GPS is kind of hard to, hard to take with you uh, behind those places. Uh, on those borders. Hmm. But I think those are the things that I've learned as I've realized serving God's not a matter of location. Whether I'm sitting in my home in Kentucky or I'm in the deepest parts of Somalia, the, the, the real thing that I have to grasp is that I'm going where God's taking me and I'm on a journey with him And as Moses, I mean, as Abraham was told, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. I think through obedience, God 
allows us to be blessed. Um, God takes us where he needs us to be in order to bless the nations. Um, Mm. When I get to the other side of where obedience takes me and I look back, my question always has to be for myself, can I be proud of how I how I took this process? Can I be proud of, pleased with my reactions um, when God asked me to move 38 times? Um, I can think of many times uh, I was going through clothes and boxes and packing and getting tired. Um, but when I look back, can I be pleased with my reaction? And can I be pleased with how I looked at the situation I was in and I took advantage of what God was saying for me to do. So I think that's where I, I really challenge our listeners. Remember, it's not about your location. Can you be obedient? In it? And Anthony, I'll add that so many of our brothers and sisters who are in prison today or locked in homes in house arrest because of their faith in Christ, their obedience is far beyond any that I could ever measure up um, because they've learned how to be bold, mm. how to share their faith, how to um, not allow the situation to silence them. And so I want to do the same. You bring up a couple of, I think, really interesting thoughts because I love the relationship between uh, location and obedience. And really, obedience is what supersedes the location, regardless of where we are, regardless of where God God sends us. So I know that for some of our listeners, and uh, I think it's great that you that we have you today, uh, because I think you can speak from a a very uh, specific and particular viewpoint as a as a mom, as a wife, as 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 a woman going overseas and preparing your family to go overseas. I think there are probably a lot of people who are going to be listening to this today and they location may be a significant obstacle to their obedience because maybe uh, like you and in, in the early years, they, they laid out their hands. They say, where does God want me to go? And I, I want to be obedient. I want to go overseas. And then in our, in the location, things can kind of crop up and, and, um, kind of pull us back from that obedience, whether it's, well, I've got kids now, this could be harder. I don't want to take the grandkids away from the grandparents or just a a lot of different things. Um, So my question to you would be for for listeners today who may be the location or potential location to follow Jesus where he commands them uh, is a significant obstacle. What would you say to to listeners today? Uh, Maybe even specifically to uh, to moms and wives and, and and ladies who are listening today who might have some of those obstacles. I, I feel like God is leading me uh, outside of this current location, but a potential location, there's a lot of mental obstacles uh, to, to following in obedience to that. What would you say uh, to some listeners who might be saying that today? Well, I think there's like three different segments uh, that I will talk about. One is Um, We have a lot of young people, young couple, young singles who go overseas and feel God's calling them to return overseas after their schooling or whatever uh, they 
they mm-hmm. need to get done. Um, but by the time they are out of school, they've got debt, they buy a car and a house, and they, they can't get out, of, out from under all of that. And so then they say, oh, well, maybe God's not calling me anymore. Um, but I do know that there are a lot of women, especially, who come to me after we speak and say, you know, at one time God called me or God asked me to go overseas. Um, but I didn't do it and I got married and I had children and I, now I have a house payment and all this. Um, hmm. But God's, God's still stirring in my heart. What do I do? Um, the, uh, the next thing that m- comes up a lot of times is the husband feels or the wife feels they want to go. Um, but the other one doesn't. The spouse hasn't felt that. And they, they really don't know how to broach the subject with the other one. Um, and they're mm. very, and it's very difficult. Um, and then the other thing is we have children. Our children now have lots of needs and we want them to play soccer and we want them to play basketball and softball and baseball. And we want them to do all these things in school. And if I go overseas, they may not get to do all that. And so we put our children in, in between being obedient to God and the reality of where we live at the moment. Uh, So there's lots of things that keep us from doing um, maybe walking in obedience. And I'm not going to say that, yes, if you stay in America and don't go overseas, that that's horrible or whatever. But I am going to say you will not be you will not be all that God wants you to be if he's asked you to do something and you haven't done it. The obedience mm. is important. Um, don't put your children in between God and the realities of, of the moment. Don't allow them mm. to be taken off the altar. Nick talks about this a lot is don't take your children off the altar. If when they're born, you gave them to God, God's going to take care of them. Now, we have a part mm. of our story that if if we say it, you might say, well, God didn't take care of your son. Uh, he died overseas. Mm. But what we say is, yes, but the obedience was there and that God has shown us so much more uh, than we could have. Mm. He, he would have shown us uh, otherwise. So th- that's one thing. And then it. it be careful. If God's wanting you to go overseas, be careful. Don't go into so much debt that you can't just pick up and be like Abraham and move when you need to. Um, hmm. The American issue of getting a house and a car, they're important, but that's not that keeps you sometimes from serving God as you want to. Um, and then if you have a spouse who doesn't feel that same urge as you. Uh, my challenge to you is you need to pray. Pray that God will either change your heart or change their heart so that you can serve God together. 
um, go on, go on a mission trip together and watch each other. How do you, how do you minister? Watch how your husband ministers. That's something I love about Nick. I, there is no greater joy I have than watching my husband serve and do things and be out there with the young people and the children and serve to, and allow us to serve together allow our children to serve with us. Um, so that that's a long answer to a great question, and hopefully it, um, it will help in the process. No, that's, that's great. You know, it does lead us to, to even kind of go in, in, in deeper. Uh, and I'm sure that you guys will cover this in future episodes, so you don't have to go super in-depth today if you, uh, if you want to save some of it for later. But uh, you touched on, which I think sometimes is a really, really great um, subject for us to to deal with as as believers is how did you involve your family in ministry? You went overseas, and so sometimes it can be um, well, you know, we're just you know our kids are with us, but we're really the the ones who are ministering and working, and we can have the same mentality even here in the in the states, uh, you know, and and I know that you. You guys really focus on and really um, dive deep into families, reaching families and using family units as as a unit of witness. But what's maybe a takeaway for people uh, who may ask, okay, well, how do I involve my family in in ministry? Not just on a on a trip or or a church event, but how do I involve my my family ministry in the day to day of who we are, just living in, in the location where God has us at that moment? Yeah. Um... That is something I love because uh, we chose to minister as a family. And I think you have seasons of life where you can do that in different ways. When our boys were young, uh, we homeschooled. So we could pack up the books and we went to the village. And uh, we, mm. uh, we did homeschool in the morning. Uh, we lived in the hut with the family that we were visiting and I homeschooled in the morning. And then in the afternoon, the boys played in the village and Nick and I visited in the different homes around the, the place where we were staying. And so that was how we did that then. Um, when the boys got older and they were, we moved into Kenya and they were in a school, we couldn't pack up and go. And especially during that time, we were working in Somalia and there was no way that our boys could go in country in a war zone. And so we hmm. made we made sure that our boys knew everything we were doing and they were very much a part of it. And when we visited Somalis in Kenya, they went with us. So they got to meet the people group that we were working among. Um, th there were times when our boys um, were able to go and uh, when we were learning language, they would learn language alongside us and we'd sit on the ground and we would use our boys to help us learn baby, baby language. Um, because <laughs> that's how you feel when you're learning languages. Sometimes you feel like, oh, a yeah. baby. and so the boys were great tools there. Um, when our boys got older and they were not as mobile, uh, you know, when they're teenagers, it's harder to pack them up and go, um, they, they, we saw them making friends of lots of different cultures around them. 
and they became uh, part of our journey. By bringing their friends into our home, it opened the door for us to meet lots of families. And uh, I think that's the key is meeting families. Uh, When we went into uh, um, a more uh, closed environment, uh, the boys were gone. They had already graduated and they were in the States. So we borrowed other people's children so that we could walk (laughs) around the neighborhood and, and people were attracted to the children. And that opened the doors for us to go inside and meet people and uh, children are the best open door that you have. And so Mm -hmm. you want to use your family to open the door and not use your family as uh, a wall that prevents you from being with other people. Um, Your children will, uh, will open the door and allow you to uh, do things with people going on picnics, doing things together. And that opens the door for you to just allow Christ to be seen as you love your children and you um, don't use them as um, a reason not to do something, but use them as a reason to do something. Mm. That's really good wisdom. Let me ask you one more question uh, before we go today, but you mentioned it before, but you've, moved 37, 38 times, and now your location has has changed. Where, What do you see as your um, your walk of obedience now that your, your location has pretty drastically changed from these last several decades? Uh, your location has changed, but your walk of obedience has not changed. What does that look like for you uh, just on a, a regular, normal basis, kind of identifying with, with the rest of us who, in our location, live in our lives, working, doing the day-to-day? Uh, what is what is a little bit of what that looks like for you, and and how are you maximizing uh, your location now to continue that walk of obedience that God started many decades ago? Wow, wow, that's a good question. I think I'm back to the <laughs> the, the kicking and screaming part uh, that I had when I was in Malawi, um, but I, I you know I think I think I'm still figuring it out. But one of hmm. my um, obedient factors right now is learning how to um, invest in my grandchildren. Uh, I, mm. I never dreamed that would be part of the, the gift that God would give me. Um, but keeping our grandson now, pouring into him daily those verses of scripture that I learned as a little girl. Um, using those songs uh, that I was taught at my mother's knee and and passing that that story on. Um, I think the other thing is uh, finding uh, finding our niche here has been hard. Um, but there mm-hmm. are lots of opportunities and our struggle is we can't do all of them. And so what mm. is what are the few things that God wants us to do to invest in our time? And we know that doing Nick Ripken Ministries is important because we we see churches getting excited about um, their brothers and sisters who live in places of persecution. So we don't want to neglect that. Uh, mm. But what do we want to do in our own neighborhood? I'll share one thing. My next door neighbor. 
um, on one side, her husband died a year ago today, 43 years, 43 years old, just got up, went to work. And before the day was over, he had died of a heart attack. So to Mm. me, that's part of my journey is ministering to my neighbor. We we did Papa and Pickles uh, camp a few weeks ago, and Mm -hmm. I did it for my grandson, but invited my neighbors on the other side, the kids to come. So we had a house full of kids that we did Papa and Pickles camp together. So investing in those people that God has given us, investing in the refugees that are in Mm. Uh, the, the larger city in Louisville that are near us right now, that's something that we're getting to do. And uh, that gives mm. us a, a taste of overseas that we hunger for so much. Um, wow. That's incredible. And it's amazing to see the the lessons that you learned overseas, working with, with places and people in persecution. You've been able to export that back to the States and use those same principles and use those same uh, practices that you've seen for decades. And so the hardest to reach places, you're still using that in the States and it's working and it's effective and you are building relationships and, and going through open doors of people all around you. And those are things that you learned even from overseas. And so it just, it reminds me because you have, you have so much wisdom and, and I know we don't have enough time because we, we do this every week. And so there's so many opportunities to share stories and things that you and Nick have done over the years, but it is amazing to see that I've heard you and Nick say this multiple times over the last many years is the the gift and the joy it was to be overseas. Uh, sometimes we look at, at at overseas work, overseas missions as uh, this, oh, it's this this arduous march and it's this terrible thing. We just gotta, gotta slog through it and, and try to finish, you know, and, and maybe, uh, you know, if we're lucky, God will call us back home. But in reality, Look at all these things that that you learned and the blessings that you received, uh, having the gift of getting to go overseas and being a part of of the kingdom of God in other places. Yeah, and I think that's the that's something that I want our listeners to grasp is the nations are coming right here next door to us, and we have so many opportunities. And so let's be obedient where we are and see what God's next adventure is for each one of us. Mm, I love that. Well, Ruth, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your wisdom and just uh, sharing with us and our listeners today uh, what God has taught you because we can take this with us this week and we can put these things into practice even across the street or maybe in preparation to go across the oceans with the love of Jesus. And so thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for sharing your heart. And uh, we'll probably have Nick on uh, next time, or hopefully both of you together. Uh, but it's been a joy to get to hear from you and, and hear your perspective. So thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today and tuning in. Uh, as always, you can find out more about our ministry, Nick Ripkin Ministries, including how to support and donate to our ministry at www.nickripkin.com. Again, you can find more information about our ministry at www.nickripkin.com. We thank you for listening today, and we hope that you will go across the street and go across the ocean this week with the love of Jesus. We'll see you next time.